0: What up world? Welcome back to Lockdown Blazers. I am Mike Richmond, Blazers beat writer and pass first point guard. Holy cow. Coming to you live from the Moda Center after just an absolutely wild game. The Blazers lost in overtime, 129-121 to the Oklahoma City Thunder, the fourth time in four tries the Thunder have beaten the Blazers this year. And it had been six years since the Blazers had, excuse me, since the Thunder had won at Moda Center coming into this season. Now they've won back-to-back games here and swept the season series. This one was uh, just a, a, a sort of high-level game with a lot of chaos. Um, we're going to start with sort of the wildness that Yusuf Nurkic helped foster. Uh, in the second segment, I want to talk a little bit sort of about the atmosphere in here and all uh, um, what these sort of playoff implications of, of a game like this might mean and a a performance like this might mean. And then the third segment, I want to talk about why uh, some of the Blazers want to see Oklahoma city again. If they get to the playoffs, uh, maybe an, a matchup that not all, not everyone who watches this team thinks is a good one, but definitely some players on the team want, but let's start with the absolutely bizarreness of this game. Um, this was, there were nine lead changes in the third quarter. Uh, It was back and forth the entire time. Uh, OKC's largest lead, I believe, was that eight points that they ended up winning the game by. Neither team led by double digits during the game. You want to know how you know this was a weird game? Because it ended with a pool reporter talking to an official. Any night where the press corps asks to talk to a referee or the head referee in charge, you know that it was a weird game. This one absolutely was a weird game. So let's pick it up. 3.15 left in the second quarter. Russell Westbrook drives to the rack. He doesn't score. He kind of gets tangled up, I want to say, but not really tangled up. He kind of just collides with Nurkic at the rim as he misses, and they kind of seem to say something to each other after the miss. And as Westbrook is coming out of the, coming out from under the rim after he missed it, Nurk kind of half bumps him, maybe like takes a step towards him, and maybe kicks out his foot in the trip uh, to trip him. Uh, Terry Stotts calls it an alleged trip. Yusuf Nurkic said, "I, I." Maybe in the past I would have tried to trip him, but I certainly didn't there. And if Russell Westbrook did trip, Nurk said, it wasn't because he tried to do it on purpose. But Westbrook did uh, end up clipping his own, whether by aided by Nurk or not, he did end up clipping his own heel with his other foot and falling down, and then decided to take out his anger by chasing down, uh, Westbrook, or chasing down Nurkic just beyond midcourt and giving him a good old-fashioned hockey forecheck and sending him to the ground. Uh, Nurk was assessed a technical foul on the play, turned out to be a pretty important call later in the game, and Westbrook was given a flagrant one, uh, I actually thought it was pretty fair, uh, I know that a lot of people who watched that game thought it was unfair that, that Nurk was assessed a technical foul, but when you go back and kind of look at the replay, it does look like he kind of attempted, even if he didn't make contact, he kind of did give give Westbrook a little bump, and 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 because Westbrook tripped, and because that led to an altercation, I wasn't super surprised that they gave it to Nurk. Um, it was probably the wrong call, but but like I said, I'm not I wasn't surprised by the call. Uh, the refs' official description of the play was that. During the replay, we were able to go back and observe that Nurkic's trip Westbrook was an unsportsmanlike act and therefore technical was assessed. Uh, yeah, whatever. The, the, in those pool interviews, the, the refs never say, whoops, we got it wrong. We went back and we got it wrong and we apologize. I've done one of these um in a game where Demarcus Cousins was almost ejected and then not ejected in Sacramento, and the refs basically said, "Oh, you know, we just um, we were a little bit confused, but then we got it right. We got it right. Don't worry, we definitely got it right." He, Marcus Cousins didn't throw his mouthpiece; he actually just spit it out accidentally. Um, but from that moment forward, Westbrook got booed every time he touched the ball by the sellout Motor Center crowd. So that was. Um, he, he doesn't need much. He's as close to a, a villain as the Blazers have in the league. And uh, pushing overuse of Nurkic and, and Nurk getting the sort of un, believe, you know, felt unwarranted technical foul was enough for the Motive Center fans to completely turn on Russell Westbrook for the rest of the game. But that was not the, the last time we would see Nurk and the officials have a weird thing that happened. With 15 seconds left in regulation and the game tied at 111. Paul George drove into the lane and caught Yusuf Nurkic with an errant elbow to the face. Just crushed Nurk in the face. Nurk went down um, and stayed on the ground. Terrence Ferguson ended up getting the layup or getting an offensive rebound and layup after signing a scramble for a loose ball. Nurk was down under the rim in the paint couldn't help, um, couldn't help fight for, for that defensive board. Terrence Ferguson ended up grabbing the ball, putting the uh, Thunder up two with 13 seconds left. Um, down on the other end, I think it should be noted, prior to that, uh, to, to, pre- tie the, to previously tie that game at 111, Damian Lillard got a, um, a true special gift of a call when he drove wildly into the lane and got two free throws. But that's neither here nor there. It's just a, a, a point I want to make about how bizarre the officiating was all night long. But on that play, Paul George, you know, he, he catches Nurkic square with an elbow to the face. Uh, and the reason that I guess they can't review that is because there was no foul called on the play because the officials ignored it. There's no trigger. Um, you need a trigger in the NBA to uh, be able to review these plays. You can't just review things um, sort of whole cloth. Uh, there was there was a similar play last year, or maybe, perhaps I think it was last year, uh, where. Markeith Morris clearly stepped out of bounds on a three point attempt, but because the shot went in where there was still time on the clock, they couldn't review whether he stepped out. They could, but they, if the time had run out, they would have been reviewed the entire play, yada, yada, yada. Um, these type of things happen. The Blazers were on the wrong end of this one. I thought that was pretty clearly an offensive foul on Paul George. It didn't work out that way. And yet, somehow, some way, this was not the end of the truly bizarre things that happen. So here we are, there's 13 seconds left, the Blazers get the ball back. Uh, Yus- Yusuf Nurkic gets a rebound inside. He goes back up for a shot, gets fouled with 4.4 seconds left, and as he's kind of making his way to the foul line, he something happens with him and Paul George. He turns and immediately gets in Paul George's face and is assessed his second technical foul of the game and gets ejected. Nurk claims that you can watch the replay and see Paul George hit him in the face. As of time of recording, I haven't seen that. Um, I'm sure Twitter will have weighed in by the time this publishes, but Nurk claims that Paul George caught him in the face while he was walking back to the free throw line in that particular instance, and that's why he turned around and got up in his face. Regardless, incredibly stupid thing for Nurk to do. You've got to just... He would have been better off just flopping to the ground, honestly. He would have been better off just over-exaggerating that and not being a tough guy. Uh, Damien Lord said afterwards that it's just kind of what what makes Nurk Nurk. He's an emotional guy. He, obviously, Nurk owned it and said he needs to control himself. Um, he didn't own it completely. He was still pretty pissed after the game, but uh, I would say that it's notable that he even stayed after to talk to reporters. Yusuf Nurkic last year absolutely would have jetted out of the locker room and not talked to anyone. Um, but, you know, it, Dame has talked to Yusuf about controlling his sort of emotions. Um Nurk knows that that's something he needs to do. He just lost his cool. But so this game, when Nurk gets ejected, Billy Donovan gets to choose who takes a free throw, which is like a really special rule that I had anticipated on press row. And I was really hoping that Gary Trent Jr. was going to be the guy to shoot him. And that was my fault because I totally forgot Scalabissier was even on the Blazers roster. So when they said Scalabissier will be the one to shoot free throws, I was very excited Scal had not attempted a free throw in a game since February 6th. He'd taken a cool month. He had never attempted a free throw as a blazer. And now all of a sudden he's stepping to the line down two with 4.4 seconds left. He, of course, clangs the first one, just a brick. Did not look good coming out of his hand. He told me it felt good um, from where I was sitting in 113. Didn't look very good. But he missed the second one well. He did a good job of missing a free throw. That's a hard thing to do. He said CJ whispered to him, you know, miss it short. And he said, that's kind of hard to do. I'm going to miss it long. So he misses it long, and in the scramble for the rebound, the refs gave the Blazers, in my opinion, another incredible gift by calling a loose ball foul on Markeith Morris. I mean, what on earth was that call? Al Farouk Aminu gets gets, uh, to shoot two free throws and a loose ball foul, hits them both. OKC turns the ball over at end of regulation, and... uh, Blazers miss Damian Lillard missed a half court shot to end this one. So that was the absolute wildness of Nurk. When we get back, I want to talk a little bit more about sort of the the atmosphere of this game, the feel of this game. Uh, but before we do that, uh, I want to remind you guys: when you get in your car, tell your smart speaker in your car, play podcast Locked On Blazers. It'll improve your commute. It's the perfect length podcast to uh, have a nice commute in the morning, in the afternoon, whenever you are moving around in your car. So just hop in your car, tell your smart speaker, play Locked On Blazers. All right, let's let's keep talking about this wild game, absolutely wild. So I I went over the Nurk just the Nurkness of this game. Um, Yusuf does things like this. It's not it's not totally out of this world that he would act this way. But um, in overtime without Nurkic, the Blazers had no chance. Damian Lillard had fifty one. He was fantastic in this game. CJ didn't play particularly well. Um, he's he struggled a little bit. It was basically the uh, the big three, though, that, that you know, D- CJ did nine for 24, 25 points, but it was basically the big three. D- Dame had 51, CJ 25, Nurk 13 and, s- and 17 is 34 minutes before getting ejected. Rodney Hood played most of the minutes down the stretch with Alfa Rucomino at four, uh, Moe didn't come in in the fourth quarter. Uh, he's apparently dealing with a cold. He's got a little congestion, and Terry Stott said his wind wasn't right. But Hood had 10 points off the bench, the only Blazers player off the bench to reach in double figures, the only other Blazers player out of the big three to hit double figures. But uh, this, was a, this, this game felt like a playoff game, uh, not just because it was two teams that are going to be in the playoffs, Two of the sort of better teams in the Western Conference, but this place was rocking. This um, the 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 arena was very loud. Uh, the booze for Westbrook certainly added to the atmosphere. The uh, tightness of how everyone uh, sort of performed down the stretch—you could tell these were meaningful, big, meaningful possessions. And and I do I I think this loss pretty much means the Blazers can't. You know, I'm not, it's not totally out of this question, but I think it's unlikely, very unlikely, the Blazers end up third in the West. I think this falling 4-0 to the to the Thunder and basically, you know, this is like a two-game swing um, for a team you were tied with coming into the night. I think this means the Blazers won't finish third. I think this means they're they're battling for fourth. And I've said this a million times. I'll probably say it a million more times. That home court advantage is paramount for this team. They absolutely need to play a, a home playoff series in my mind to have a chance. And I think this game kind of gave you that, that look of what a playoff series or the feel of what a playoff series might look like. Uh, you know, Dame was great. The team schemed to take him out of the game and 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 he, you know, sending sort of soft traps at him and, and long defenders like George and and, and Jeremy Grant. And then obviously uh, on traps, Stephen Adams was at him, but he mostly was was Westbrook guarding him. And he was really, really good. And sort of the problem that we've seen with the Blazers in the playoffs recently is that their supporting cast hasn't quite been there, and that was the case tonight. Again, you know, Mohawk was two points in 21 minutes. Jake Lehman totally overmatched, a brutal matchup for him. They tried to put him on Marquise Morris. It didn't work. They tried to put him on Paul George. Um, That was a nightmare. He went scoreless in 16 minutes. Uh, Ennis Cantor was, was... he just struggled, you know, he just he, he couldn't quite get going. His only bucket was on a post-up, but he was having trouble just getting free for clean post-ups. Uh, I thought uh, mostly Nerland's Noel, who was on him, did a good job of sort of keeping him out of his clean catches. Uh, Seth Curry finished with eight off the bench. Uh, he was one for four from three, and all, at least three of those were wide the hell open, and he just couldn't knock them down. He got some really good looks and missed them. Uh you know, CJ going nine for 24 didn't help either. But I I think this is kind of this is what playoff basketball is going to look like for the Blazers. Can other guys step up? Almost. And I you know I don't think offense was really the problem. You know they had 113 in regulation. That's a that's that's pretty good. Uh, that's that's enough points to win games most nights. Uh, but but just sort of the, the when they needed big shots, they needed execution. You know the game was close throughout. Like I said, it was you know. At, I think their biggest lead was 6, and, and uh, OKC's okay, lead until the end was 7. So this game was right there in the balance the whole time. The Blazers needed just someone outside of Damian Lillard, who was 15 of 28, 3 of 10 from 3, but just a parade to the free-throw line. This game was 2 hours and 53 minutes run time because there were 250 million free-throws taken in this one. Um, but they they needed someone not named Dame who had 51 and was fantastic to really to get going and get hot. It kind of looked like it would be Nurk, and I I really do believe um, that the Blazers, that he's going to be the the sort of the X factor for the Blazers in the playoffs. How good he can be as the Blazers' second best player is really going to be, I guess X factor is not the right word, but how good he's going to be as their second option is really going to be the determining factor. Uh, They need CJ to be a little more efficient to beat really good teams, but... This was just to me. This was what playoff basketball looks like. Uh, you know, going against two All-Stars in George and Westbrook. George had 32, one for nine from three, didn't shoot very well. But again, parade to the free throw line, 17 of 20 from the free throw line. Westbrook, 37 points, hit five of eight threes, um, did not have a triple double, only three assists. Uh, but but he was a tour de force. He was in in overtime. He just um, he just ran the ball down the Blazers' throats. Got some. You know, took advantage of of a couple missed uh, mid-range jumpers, a missed, ju- missed mid-range jumper, and a block mid-range jumper by CJ McCollum to get some easy points. Uh, he really controlled the pace. He played he played really, really well. Uh, and 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 against elite teams, I I think the question remains: Do the Blazers have enough to get stops when they need them and to score big buckets? They were close tonight, literally a coin flip at the end of the game, but. They didn't quite do it. So I think until, you know, until the playoffs happen, these questions are still going to spring up, especially when they play against good teams. All right, welcome back. Still locked on Blazers, still Mike Richmond. Yusuf Nurkic said that he would be the happiest person on earth if the Trailblazers played the Oklahoma City Thunder in the playoffs. This is an admirable Sentiment from our man Nurk. Uh, I, I think this is probably what you want to hear uh, after a game like this: is that it, that he wants this challenge. Um, I think it was notable just that Nurkage was in the locker room after the game tonight because use of Nurkage of last year would have definitely dipped out before reporters came in there, but he stayed in to answer questions. Um, a sign of his maturity. Uh, obviously the things that led him to getting kicked out of the game and having to wait around for reporters to show up is maybe a sign of his lack of maturity, but you get the point. Yusuf Nurkic, however, not alone. His confidence about wanting to play OKC makes sense. He has beef with Russell Westbrook as he tweeted about him. Russell Westbrook, Russell Westbrick after their game in OKC. He just, he's a dude who beefs. That's who Nurk is. He's an emotional guy, but he's not alone as I alluded to, with his, um, I don't know, preference, but his acceptance that uh, or willingness to face this Thunder team in the playoffs. Uh, some of it is just it, this. It's, it's very likely a 4-5 or a 3-6 matchup. These two teams could play each other. Um, I think the Blazers are probably not going to end up in that 3-seed, but um, if the teams are 4-5 or, or the Blazers slip to 6 behind Utah, I think this is a, a fairly likely matchup for them. But Damian Lillard said... He also would welcome a matchup with OKC in the playoffs if it gets there, uh, and not because he sort of has this beef with Russell Westbrook and wants to go at him and blah 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 blah. But because he said that the they're familiar with their personnel, uh, and and pointed out that every time they've played against them, the games have been pretty close. And it is true. Uh, I think all of the all four of the games that OKC won this year were single digits heading into the fourth quarter so there's some truth to um to that idea that that the Blazers have been close um I I, you know I talked about it earlier in the pod and um I, I I I just don't think I agree with Nurk that this is this is the like matchup you want I think for me, I think the be- the best matchup of of sort of the likely teams for the Blazers to face is the Jazz. Uh, as good as the Jazz are defensively, and I think they're really good, and they can they'll be a, they'll be a brutal test in the playoffs. Um, I think they're sort of like just get downhill with Donovan Mitchell and pray that we score offense is probably the the offense that you want to face in the. Um, in the playoffs, you know they 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 do move the ball well and have guys who can make plays, but when they're in a pinch, they just basically send Donovan Mitchell downhill right at you and hope he scores. I think that's a team you want to play. I don't. I think OKC's probably the next choice because uh, Westbrook, for as tour de force fantastic as he can be, he can also shoot teams that he can shoot his team out of the game. Uh, you know, he had a ton of turnovers tonight. He had eight. But he had seven heading into the fourth quarter. He was kind of erratic for those first three quarters, as he can be. I don't think that's that that's part of his games, part of the way he plays. Uh, I, I I think Houston is 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 I would be say the team that you want to play the least of the of the teams that the Blazers are likely to face uh, because James Harden in a playoff series is, is a nightmare. Um, he's going to play 48 minutes, 49 if D'Antoni could let him play and and Chris Paul has been a bad matchup for Damian Lode pretty much his whole career so uh, I I respect Yusuf Nurkic's decision to say that he'd be the happiest man on earth Um, although I don't necessarily agree with his assessment that um, playing OKC would be a gift but I I think he was mostly talking on emotion he's mostly talking that he wants to play this team because he wants to face this team he wants the challenge he wants to go at Westbrook who he um doesn't like and he probably doesn't like Paul George too much either cuz he got elbowed in the face by him and then he got kicked out of the game trying to confront him. Um so your boy Nurk's got beef, albeit unfounded or potentially unfounded. But uh I I I like that the Blazers are in that mode where they say, "Yeah, we want to play teams." Uh, Ed Davis said it against when they were going to play the Clippers a couple years ago. It's the team the Blazers clearly had beef with, and he said, "Yeah, we want to play them." I respect that players do that. I think it's cool. Um, I think a lot of times in this day and age, players are cognizant of sort of the what will generate a headline, what will grab the news cycle, and they tend not to say inflammatory things. Um, so I respect that the Blazers said, "Yeah." Let's, we'll play them. We'll play them. We're not afraid. We'll, we'd love to play these guys. And I kind of think, in the other locker room, OKC's thinking, we would love to play these guys. But as Damian Lillard said, it's hard to beat a team eight times. So maybe he'll get his wish, and the Blazers will play the Zombie Sonics to steal a Bill simmons So usually this is the part of the pod where I kind of use the final segment to preview the next game. The Blazers play the Suns on Saturday. The Suns are super bad. They've won three in a row. Uh, if they win four in a row, we'll I'll record some sort of emergency. Sky is falling down. Time to batten down the hatches. Rip City, it's all over. Um, here's my preview of the game. I don't really believe in must-wins, but this is an absolute better-not-lose. This is a better-not-lose. God of beat terrible teams at home is a pretty good recipe so the blazers got to beat a terrible team at home that's my preview appreciate you guys listening as always check, hit me up on twitter at mike g rich um i know i've been teasing the uh J- return of jason quick to the podcast it's going to happen next week we've got a plan to record coming soon so you get more quick soon so if you got things you want me and him to talk about, hit me up on Twitter. Tell me what to ask him. But mostly, we'll just talk about the Blazers, and you guys can um, hear stories from a veteran reporter and also me, a somewhat veteran reporter. Uh, hit me up with some uh, positive reviews on iTunes. I saw that a couple of you guys did on on Apple Podcasts. Rather, um, I really appreciate them. They help the uh, they help people find the podcast when they're searching for Blazers pods or NBA pods um they're um they're really valuable and since this podcast is 400 episodes deep but has a new host over the last 10 episodes it helps people know that times done changed i really really appreciate all the feedback your boy loves a five star review uh this podcast is available everywhere you find them: soundcloud stitcher spotify apple podcast google play you name it and you podcatcher search for locked on blazers Tune in again soon. I'll talk to you guys then.